Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show with your hosts, Jesse McCullough and Nick Dorch. We will talk quality of healthcare and explore what that actually means. Let's dig into performance measurements, the equip platform, and maybe de-stress and divert from the pharmacy conversation with occasional talk about nerdy passions and hobbies. Without further ado, here's Jesse and Nick. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PQS Quality Corner Show. I'm your host, Jesse McCullough, and again, I have Nick Dorich with me. Nick, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, Jesse, I'm uh, doing very well. I'm happy to be back in the office. Uh, I'm not too full from turkey and pie, um, but I am. Uh, I did definitely get my 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 fill of, uh, of food at Thanksgiving. How about yourself? I'm doing about the same. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of year, and uh, it's good just to be away. But it's also good to be back. But hey, you know, Nick, we we just actually launched this podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. We have uh, we have a good handful of episodes out there. Uh, but I wanted to share this with you because I got an interesting text last week. Uh, uh, from from Stacy and, and Stacy reached out to us just to say that she uh, was listening to the podcast and and she was thankful for that so uh, you know I just wanted to give you a little bit of feedback and a little bit of encouragement that uh, the work that we're doing uh, we're, we're finding some people that like what we're doing that's really great to hear and I think we've encouraged it at the end of each podcast episode there's a lot of different ways that folks can reach out to us Uh, at PQS through our support um, or info at pharmacyquality.com would definitely recommend that as we keep the ball rolling, we're going through and we're identifying some topics or some, some items that are important to us or based on some of the feedback that we hear from pharmacists. But if anyone that is listening has a specific item that they would like to say, Hey, Nick, Hey, Jesse, let's make sure we address this or let's make sure we talk about that. We'd certainly like to hear that, but we also do very much appreciate some positivity that comes from folks like Stacy about uh, what we've been recording so far. Yeah, that's it, it, it's very, very encouraging uh, when, when, when you get that. Whenever you start on to a new, uh, a new endeavor like this, you don't know if people are going to even find it in the first place and if they do find it what how they're going to react to it but uh, very very much encourage that and uh, to the listeners again we will go through uh, ways that you can get in contact with us when we wrap up here today but I think for now Nick we need to get back to work you ready to get back to work I sure am Jess all right very good well um, I wanted to call out a little bit of work that you have done here recently. Um, you uh, wrote an article uh, about immunizations for the Quality Corner blog post at pharmacyquality.com. And uh, I, I just wanted to uh, take a moment and just ask you, what, what inspired you to, to write that article? Yeah, it's so immunizations have always been an area for, for me in pharmacy that I've been especially passionate about. And this time of year, it's something that we we're seeing, that we're hearing I know I don't need to reiterate to pharmacists why it's important. And and uh, if you talk to any pharmacist on a day-to-day basis right now, I'm sure that they're doing a lot with immunizations as it is. But um, it's something that we kind of take for granted here and now. Uh, I'm, I'm not that uh, that much of a veteran as a pharmacist, but um, you know, about 10 years ago or so when I was a student, um, I was in a state, Rhode Island, where pharmacists could not Im- administer immunizations. And I was involved with our state association, our university, and on lobbying and trying to get um, that updated so that pharmacists could provide immunization. So it's something where, again, it's somewhat commonplace, and it's great that patients can go and get um, not just flu, but any other number of vaccines at their pharmacy. And increasingly now, they're able to administer vaccines to children. 
um, as well, depending on the state laws that are there. Uh, but it is an IMR. I thought it might be important for us to continue to promote that discussion and talk about how pharmacists can improve uh, care for patients through immunizations and other types of services. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, that's your topic. And of course, uh, recording this uh, during National Influenza Vaccination Week. Um, I've, I've been there since the beginning. Uh, I, I remember uh, it's, it's a little longer ago. It's probably closer to 15 years ago now, uh, getting the call and saying, uh, Jess, we need you to get some pharmacists trained to uh, give immunizations. And uh, I was a little bit beside myself because at the time, uh, that was really not the mental picture of what um, I, I, I had of pharmacists. And um, um, very thankful to be able to tell you that uh, obviously my perception on that has changed over the years and we've shifted and got, come a long way from those first flu seasons that we did all those years ago. And, uh, you know, back, back when we started, that was it. It was a flu program. It wasn't yeah. any of this other stuff. It was, uh, uh, there's been a number of uh, different immunizations that have come out and uh, uh, been very, very helpful to get help pharmacists get a, a foothold uh, into that space. And, uh, you, you know, like you, uh, I'm a strong advocate for what pharmacists and pharmacies can do and the service that they, uh, that they provide. And I, I think this is uh, very bread and butter for, for how pharmacies can help protect their customers, how they can gain new customers and uh, really keep them, uh, keep them healthy and, and have them being repeat customers in their stores. But as we talk about all of that, uh, Nick, we, we are here on the Quality Corner Show. So let me ask you this. Uh, are there any quality measures on immunizations? Yeah, Jess. So there are uh, a number of quality measures as it relates to immunizations. And um, whereas we, we've talked, as we've talked about in previous episodes, PQA, NCQA having measures, there are other groups, even like CDC, which, is, which have had measures as it relates to immunizations. Um, for our purposes in talking about CMS and Medicare, and that's where we as pharmacists tend to see most measures, uh, there are some immunization-related measures, um, but they are generally going to be Medicare Part C measures, and those are also going to be survey-based measures for patients. So it's not based on a data set which makes it a little bit more difficult. And there's some reason and rationale behind, be, uh, behind why it's a survey-based measure, um, especially for Medicare patients. Um, if they're, let's just say that they're on health plan X and then they move to health plan Y the next year, that health plan may not have their full history as it relates to their immunization uh, background, what they may have received or completed. So basing it just on that one health plan's record there uh, may have some gaps. Um, and then even if you look at some state-based registries for immunizations, those can be very, very different. There are some that are really good, uh, and then there are some that are really lacking. I know there are some states where they are only applicable for children, so there's a really big mix there. Um, but as it relates to immunizations, while there may not be a good data set in the same way that we see for some of the other measures, um, we still want to be thinking about quality improvement. We still want to be thinking about how pharmacists can be um, involved as it relates to immunization opportunities. So, um, you know, Jesse, in, in terms of looking at the measures that we have in Equip and how pharmacists are focusing on that, do you have any thoughts or ideas on how pharmacists can use some of that information and tie it into immunization opportunities with patients? Yeah, Nick, I uh, appreciate that that question. And, um, 
you know, my background is, is I, I've probably helped train uh, directly and indirectly, you know, literally thousands of pharmacists, I think well over 10,000 pharmacists at this point. And, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously an opportunity for the immunization. Uh, but if you're just looking at it for the immunization, you're probably missing a couple other opportunities that exist from that. Um, especially in the early going of the uh, of, of, of your immunization program, because it is such a different patient experience, uh, and it's it's such a different pharmacist experience uh, for, for for that matter. Uh, because prior to giving those immunizations, you know there was typically a barrier between you and the patient, right? The counter uh, was in between you, and now you're taking a, taking a moment and putting your hand on their uh, on their arm and shoulder, and you're you're giving them that immunization, and some Something that we would always encourage uh, our pharmacists to do uh, was to, uh, you know, encourage the patient to stay around just for for post-vaccination monitoring. And we right. typically uh, were recommending about 20 minutes, and you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't you know making somebody sit there, but saying, hey, uh, feel free to wander around the store for about 20 minutes. Want to make sure everything's okay. You, you know, give me a nod at some point when you're ready to head out, and we'll we'll go from there. But I think there's a, a, another opportunity, um, and and I would look at this probably. Uh from two different directions, opposite sides perhaps of the same coin. But when you look at like the adherence measures, um, oftentimes, uh, well, I shouldn't say oftentimes, when you look at the adherence measures that make a, uh, make a, a big splash in the marketplace today for statins and for antihypertensives and for uh, diabetic meds, these are all patients that need to be vaccinated, right? They at least need to be vaccinated for flu. They, they chances are they need uh, vaccinated for uh, other diseases such as pneumococcal, um, you know, just the, the, uh, the, the opportunities and outbreaks that you still see with pertussis and so forth and, and shingles in the marketplace. Um, you have all sorts of opportunities there. And whenever you have that opportunity um, to sit down with the patient, uh, you know, you can give the immunization, but it also gives a nice opportunity uh, to be able to talk with them about their medications and their adherence and be able to link them that way. And um, I will tell you that patients, you, you look at patients in a different way when you're giving the immunizations and patients look at you in a different way uh, when you've given them that, that immunization. I used to just think that people thought I was funnier because I was, uh, because I was holding a sharp needle, but I, I don't think that's, you know, the, the full, the full extent of it. I think that there is just a, a, a different level of relationship that you're able to uh, develop. But sticking with those, uh, with those uh, adherence measures, you know, you could use Equip and you can be looking at those patients. And especially if you're looking at those patients uh, who are not meeting the intent of the measure, those outlying patients, wow, these are patients that really need help, right? These are patients that have a chronic medical condition and maybe they're not taking their medicine the right way. They still have the need to be protected. And I, I think that's another, uh, just a tremendous opportunity uh, for pharmacies. And, and I, I, I always call this out, you, you know, by definition, non-adherent patients do not come into your pharmacy regularly. Now, to, yeah. to, you know, it's to, to me, this is a Captain Obvious type thing, right? You, you, you know, you have these patients that, uh, that, that sort of wander into your store every so often, uh, you know, according to how the measures uh, uh, play out, uh, your pharmacy is the one that's being, uh, uh, 
you know, watched for this particular patient. And in, in some cases, you know, you'll go in and you'll talk to pharmacies about these patients and they'll be like, I don't really know who this patient is. Uh, and that's such a tremendous opportunity for you as well, right there. You have a patient on your outlier list. Perhaps you don't know that patient all that well. You, you know, that's a tremendous opportunity to reach out, to offer that vaccination, to protect them, uh, you know, potentially, uh, you know, get that different level of relationship and be able to bring that patient in and help them get more adherent uh, as time goes on. I think there's just a number of things. And that's, that's just looking at those, um, you know, those big three adherence measures. Uh, there's a number of other measures that exist in the equip as well that uh, I'm sure that uh, that that uh, our listeners can look at and probably very easily say you know what I can see a connection with this I can see a connection with asthma I can see a connection with um, you know uh, these patients that need a statin uh, I can see a connection with, with with any of those different measures that exist out there yeah so Jess let's connect those those dots here because I and over the weekend I was reviewing some of the updated information from um, ACIP uh, as it relates to immunization guidelines. And it's, I, I know mo many pharmacists will keep tabs on that and see where those updates do occur and how that may impact patients that are eligible for an assessment. Uh, an immunization, well, really all patients should be getting an immunization assessment, right? But then uh, of those patients getting an assessment, who's eligible to receive a vaccine? And generally, if you're looking at a patient that that is um, elderly and then that being defined as 65 plus by the guidelines, that's their definition, not my personal as well as to who or what is elderly. Um, but based on that and having chronic disease states, you're going to have patients that are eligible or, or that should be considered for many of the many of the immunizations. So I was taking a look a little bit further. I went down the rabbit hole and started looking at some CDC information. When we've got patients over, and this is again from the CDC website on immunizations, um, patients over 65, more than two-thirds um, typically get a flu shot during the course of a year. Uh, about one in two adults has had a tetanus vaccine over uh, at some point in the past 10 years. About six out of 10, uh, I don't know why they say six out of 10, not three out of five here, but about six out of 10 have had a pneumococcal vaccine uh, at any point in their life, and only about a third have had a shingles uh, vaccine. So the thing that I would point out here is that you may look or see or hear those numbers, and some folks may be, may be thinking to themselves, hey, those numbers are pretty good. But the other side to it is that those numbers are also well below CDC goals um, for public health initiatives. So while we are doing more and more, and I, you know, I referenced back in the beginning, 10 years ago in some states, pharmacists still can administer immunizations. Um, we're still not yet at a level from a public health perspective where we're reaching immunization goals for where they need to be. So there still is an opportunity there uh, for pharmacy. Um, and especially as it relates to many of these patients that have a chronic disease state, them being eligible, um, a lot of this information and equip can be helping to identify those patients that are you know, at that age of 65 having chronic disease states and therefore it should be worthwhile to have an immunization assessment. So if you're sitting down and having a conversation with a patient about their treatment and optimizing their therapy for diabetes medications or whatever else it may be, it's also worthwhile to have that consideration for an immunization assessment. Yeah, it's, I, I think that's very much um, a, a very natural transition. And, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I would say there's still a lot of people that 
still work on that transition. So, you know, just as an example, uh, Nick, if you, if you were diabetic, we, we were talking about your therapy, uh, to be able to take that next step and go into, Hey, we want to make sure that you're fully protected against those different, uh, uh, things that are challenging out there in, uh, in, in, in the world. And we want to keep you protected. So I think that's a, a neat thing, but I want to go back just a moment here, Nick, if I could, Sure. Um, you know, you were talking about uh, the goals, right? Uh, that there's different goals that have been set that, you know, uh, there's different thresholds as far as uh, patients that have been vaccinated, but there's different goals and we're well below those goals. Do you think that those goals uh, could potentially be the framework uh, to, to develop some measures, you, you know, you, 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 we could perhaps see some quality or performance measures built off of those immunization guidelines and goals uh, that have been put out there in the marketplace. Yeah, I would say that we've already started to hit that phase. And uh, I, I reference a lot, and it may just be because I'm at an age when I've got a lot of friends and family members that are having children of their own. Um, but there's always a crawl, walk, run phase. And we're definitely in those stages where measure developers and health, um, health groups are very much interested in getting to uh, moving beyond or even just getting to a crawling stage as it relates to database measures and immunization. So um, I would say that we're definitely going to be hitting that. Um, I would say that, that this is going to be something that we're going to be seeing in the next next couple of years and that it may not be something related to just you know medicare or medicaid it may not be something that we're just seeing for federal programs um, these are items where immunizations and, and and based on some of those disease states based on some of those other considerations there's a lot of opportunity there with um, health plans local health plans employer groups physician offices so with that in mind i think it's important and a lot of pharmacies a lot of pharmacists already have have done this, but if you're a pharmacist that hasn't, I would certainly put this um, at the top of your list as something to look into for the 2020 year. But um, start looking at ways that you can provide immunization clinics, working with local providers or other groups that are there. Um, it's a way to get your foot in the door. Um, in terms of giving in, giving immunizations, you've got an inventory there. It's a little bit more reliable than what other offices may have. Certainly, they're available and trained. And if it's if it's something where that can be the stepping stone. Uh, to provide other services with local groups, that's really a great way to, to, to keep that moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think that's just an absolutely tremendous idea. And that was uh, a big part of the work I was doing several years ago was just you know, working on getting those, some of those outreach clinics. And it was really neat to see some of just the, the next steps that would come from that. It would start as a, as a uh, flu clinic, but it would naturally turn into, you know, another immunization clinic for something else down the road. And it, it turned into some other uh, places for re repeat business. Uh, it turned into other opportunities for other conversations. And I think that there's definitely uh, huge opportunities uh, to, uh, to be built from there. Uh, as you're able to, uh, I think, in a very deliberate, in a very, uh, very clear way, just to demonstrate the value that you as a pharmacist are providing. And I think that, you know, now that you're seeing more and more pharmacies get involved in, in some of these other, what I would call next step endeavors, uh, you know, things like point of care testing, such as A1Cs, uh, or cholesterol screenings or whatever, I think that those now start to become natural next steps to build your relationship with. And of course, that all varies from one state to the next uh, with your, uh, uh, 
with your with your laws and regs and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, you know, look look at those, and I think you can start to string together uh, some some interesting dots with, with with some of those groups to be able to build and and really uh, uh, get a different footprint with your business. Yeah, and and Jesse, I think this will be my last comment for today's podcast, and uh, that's a great lead and I think that's well I think we'll certainly have some topics of conversation in the not so distant future about expanding services and clinics uh, as it relates to other things that pharmacists can do I know both you and I have worked with pharmacists who have um, either built or developed their own uh, services and working working with other groups uh, other medical groups in that regard so that'd be something where I would like to say that as we go forward and probably into the 2020 year it'll be more than just you and I on some of these podcasts and conversations I think we'll look to bring in some some outside guests that can help provide some meaningful context to, to what that looks like what it entails how much uh, how much you really need to roll up the sleeves and uh, get to work on some of those topics so that's a great lead-in and I'll look forward to having those kind of conversations on, uh, on another day yeah, I would be looking forward to that as well. I appreciate any opportunity that we have to uh, to champion what uh, what our pharmacists out there in the community are doing. So, uh, as I bring uh, as 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 I will then take that as the cue to bring our our podcast here today in for a landing. Um, I would say this: if you if you are a pharmacist that um, that uh, are, is doing something very unique like that, please reach out to us. Let us know. We want to hear from you. Uh, we'd be happy to talk through that, and maybe we could uh, feature you on a future podcast. And uh, for everybody who has taken the time to to uh, you know just listen to us today, I uh, just want to say thank you. Um, you know, your time is is your most valuable commodity, and I appreciate uh, you taking the time to to be with us today. And I want to ask you just a favor, if I could, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. The first thing is I want to encourage you to share this podcast with two friends, because if you share this podcast with two friends and then those friends share it with two friends, that really helps us get the word out about, uh, about our podcast and just gets, uh, gets more ears listening to us. Uh, I also want to encourage you to take a moment uh, to, uh, to to subscribe to the podcast, uh, wherever it was that you found it. Uh, we're looking, looking to uh, come at you about once a week, and so uh, just appreciate the, that subscription. And uh, if you have any questions that you would like uh, us to address, I believe Nick uh, mentioned this at the top of the uh, at the top of the show today, uh, but uh, we welcome you to email us directly. You can email us at info at pharmacyquality.com. Again, info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what's on your mind. Uh, we want to be able to look at the things that uh, you're interested in and uh, discuss those. Uh, Nick and I come here together so we can just share our perspectives and our insights on what's happening in the performance measurement space. And we want to help you become as effective as possible in how you care for your patients. So until next time, we wish you well.